First off, I want to start out with a huge thank you to Todd from Forever Studio for doing up that logo for us. It looked really, really cool, and he's actually touching it up a little bit more, making it look more realistic. Nice. So, yeah, um, I was able to he, – he's by appointment. He does tattoos and graphic art and stuff. He does all my tattoos. Um, I was able I to – tattoos. Yeah, yeah, you do. You need to clean, clean yeah. it up a little bit. Man, are old as shit, man. Mm. So a huge thank you to him. And I also want to break down the map because I want to thank everybody that's out there. I was able to figure out how to get We got on. Mike back, everybody. Yeah. Yay. Mike's here. So I got a map of the USA, and it's telling us who's, uh, who's tuned in here. Um, of course, our home state, Colorado, is number one leading the nation. We got Texas and California. We got a lot of communist states that are tuned in listening uh, to a lot, of, uh, a lot of our shows. We got Illinois, New York, Missouri, Minnesota. North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan, Washington, Arizona, Utah, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Wyoming, Virginia, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Kansas, Alabama, Wisconsin, Indiana, Maryland, Nevada, Alaska, Mississippi, Oregon, New Mexico, South Carolina, Idaho, Massachusetts, Nebraska, Montana, Iowa. New Jersey, you're just Oklahoma. naming all fifty states in a weird order. Well, dude. yeah, it's, it's you're like anti-alphabetical. I, I am. I it's actually just, did it's a, by the top. It's like everybody who's listening from the top mm-hmm. on down to the bottom, and uh, we'll skip right down to Rhode Island. Uh, what do you? You guys got ranges out there? No, there's one on the edge on uh, by the casino. There's a 400 yard range on the Connecticut border next to the casino there, and uh, it's a private. There's a bunch of like hunt and rod clubs in Connecticut. That have actual range, but not advertised. They're not sending out boats with no. targets on them and stuff like that, we anchoring to, them down. When I, in Stratford, uh, the shotgun, Remington used to have it over the water, and they shut it down because of the lead. Mm. When I was growing up, we used to shoot shotguns over Long Island Sound. So huge thanks to all you guys who are tuned in, and of course a huge thanks to our, our Colorado shooters, home to pipe hitters, pipe smokers, sniper's hide, mile high shooting, and of course, the fastest growing podcast. It's legal to smoke pipes in Colorado. <laughs> the fastest growing podcast of precision rifle talk, the everyday sniper, Mike from Mile High Shooting. And Frank from Sniper's Hide. So we got a couple of requests and we want to try to answer some questions and, and send out some strike sorties uh, for some per- preventive measures here. And um, we talked, we've been talking a lot about guns and uh, hope you guys tuned in to the wind calling stuff. There's a lot more wind stuff that we need to talk about. Um, Frank's, you know, keeping yeah, it going, keeping it rolling. Yeah, that was just the intro, rolling. man. That was basic. That wasn't really. I, I really liked what you did there. And, and if anybody's like me, I'm still trying to catch up with stuff too. But it's like I have like an eight minute drive. Yeah. And then I got to figure out how I'm going to listen to the, <laughs> the rest, rest of this. And I'm like, what's going on? So um, we want to. We got a special request from a couple Marines out on our on our Facebook page that wanted to just basically know what we're taking to the range every time that we go out and we're trying to get our data of previous engagement. So um, one of the things like at, at the top of the list, and I put this out on Facebook too, and a lot of people I said, okay, what are the top two things that you want to bring? And they were listing three, four things because you can't just bring two. No, there's always things. a lot more. So aside from your gun, your optic, and all the stuff that is on your gun. What are you bringing to the range? And the first thing on my list is Kestrel. Yeah, Kestrel uh, is always with me. Uh, the data book is my next one. Or, to be, or some kind of pad. Sometimes it's a write in the rain. But right. some so, kind of writing utensils. And to clarify that, when we when we say Kestrel, we're not saying... The AB. Uh, yeah, it doesn't AB. have to be AB. It just needs to be something that's measuring your atmospherics while you're out there. So that you know you can refer back to your ballistic program. You can refer back to your notes that you've taken in right. that, in that um, when, environment. When you dope your rifle, that's your zero conditions. And you're going to put those that information from the Kestrel into your zero conditions on your ballistic app. Then when you go somewhere else, current conditions. Right. And that's what tells the, the software... He was here. He's now here. We have to correct in this way. So that's why you want a basic Kestrel. And I had mentioned the one, at least get the model with density altitude because that's a good one number. And it puts you in the middle of the Kestrel pack. 
But uh, a lot of times in the, those uh, images, like when I did the load development with the crayons that everybody's been talking about, right. that Kestrel doesn't have software in it. That one that's on that um, on my data book there. That's, well, you write a lot of stuff. I down. write it all down. Yeah. I'm constantly writing it. So, so basically, what you're getting is just the atmosphere and the wind and yes. all that stuff from that Kestrel. Is it tra is it like transporting to another engine or is it? Um, is I, it just I put it in different or? software. It depends on what software I'm using, but I do put it in different software. Okay, and but, software is a whole another discussion. Yeah, you, just as long as you have something to start with, whether it's your iPad, a data pad, uh, your phone, which you know we don't really recommend that just because of you know your phone's going to heat up or it's going to lose battery life and everything like that. And when you're out on the range, you need something. Um, that's and, and, a little more ruggedized. Yeah, and you got to have an, if you're going to do your phone, you got to have an app you can put into airplane mode because the problem is, is I know I travel a ton and I'll go to places with no cell service. And if your app can't operate correctly with no connection to the internet to pull data, that's why you need the Kestrel because you're not always going to be able to pull data because you might be in airplane mode so that your phone will actually last the day. So if we're looking at our dope, you'd mentioned a data book. So most data books that I've seen are about an inch and a half thick. And a lot of that information is just like they give you more and more. It's, yeah. it's Bible. I, I'm actually thinking about uh, redoing um, and making a new data book for shooting. So what's in the data books that we have present? What's the good data? What's the bad data? And when I look at it, I go, okay, it gives us measurements of something in case we need to mill something. And as a real world situation, right. not as a as a shooter going out to the range, we don't really need to mill a lot of stuff, but we still can, and it's good training. Milling's a legacy skill, so you kind of want that in the back of your mind, not in the front, because we're not milling stuff anymore. I mean, lasers are so pervasive, and you know, even in competition, if if there's a milling stage. By the second shooter, if you don't know, you're the outside guy because yeah. everybody knows. Well, not only that, or they just cancel the whole stage and give you the yeah, distance. Yeah, they and do. They're that, trying to get you pushed through. Because, that's, what, that's what happens. You know, if you're spending more than 45 minutes at a stage in a national level competition, then they're like, oh my God, right, get right, out of here. Right. So, um, you, you know, in the data book, I use the impact data books. I use the shooter diary pages. I use the chronograph pages. Now with the ballistic app page that I did for them. Those are the three primary pages, and they do sell different size data books where you can kind of mirror up to those small pocket versions, and, and I'm thinking of doing something like that, so there's there's a little bit more travel-friendly book instead of the big, because mine's a big Bible, too. Mine's an inch and a half thick. Yeah, when they originally developed that, wasn't it just to fit the size of your BDU pocket, basically? Yeah, pretty much. You know, just stuff it in side, there. Yeah. Um, and... and Speaking on those terms too, we go back to a lot of the information that's in there is out of sniper manuals from back in the day. Yes. So when you're looking at that, you're looking at like their wind solutions. Right. Which so, are wrong. Yeah. And you're, if you're on the East Coast somewhere and they're telling you, okay, in this data book, this is the wind because a lot of that stuff was developed in that area. Right. Then, yeah, okay. I understand that. But if we're in Washington or in Alaska or even Wyoming where, Half of the trees over there are blown over. Yeah. You can't really use, okay, well, the top of the tree is moving a little bit, so I'm going to go with five miles an hour. Exactly. Like, those trees have been conditioned for those wind conditions, right? It, it, it's, um, it, it, it's a weird thing because if that constant, the constant in that formula is, is round specific, the constant is wrong. You actually have to solve for the constant for your rifle. And you need to have the dope in order to solve for the constant. So you need to know what the wind hold is in order to work the formula backwards in order to solve the constant, to put the correct constant in. The one they use, like that 15 and those numbers, those are like for like a 173 grain special ball. I mean, it's not for what we shoot today. So the constants are wrong on those formulas. Exactly. So that not only are you looking at, you know, uh, terrain or... Um, you know, sectioning up the U.S. and where you're going to be shooting, but you're also looking at, well, what did they use to develop this, this wind call or yeah, this, you know, yeah. like, okay, what caliber and what, you know, grain of bullet mm -hmm. are they using? So, and, and, and to make fun of Wyoming again, like I talked about the tractor trailers in the previous podcast, mm -hmm. last night there was warnings from 45 miles an hour to 65 miles an hour their wind went up to so watch out for low-flying trains yeah wyoming you know when i talk about wind in different areas man when those guys are, are you know their their wind 
uh, you know, their, their uh, weatherman's telling you the wind's going to be 65 miles an hour, you know, you got issues. Oh yeah, absolutely. I used to make a lot of drives up to Wyoming. Um, I, I had sort of the kind of similar schedule you did when I was working for the DOD and I was teaching ground combat mm-hmm. uh, up at a camp in, in, uh, in Wyoming. Sorry about that quick parenting break. I, I threw Mike on, on pause because I saw it coming. So at one point I was driving up to Wyoming anyways, and I was next to a tractor trailer and it was, you know, really windy and I saw the back tire come up on it and off and the ground, off the ground. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, get away from the cars. Yeah. It dropped it from fifth gear to third gear and mm-hmm. you know we were out of there. But, uh, no, it, there is a lot of wind up there and those guys who are, are shooting up there, um, good luck to you. And that's a lot of good, valuable training that you can get and put in your dope book. Yeah. But um, we should talk about like carrying stuff to the range. You want, well, Mike and I were just talking about this off offline. Um, you want a go bag. You want a backpack and something that's going to fit you really well without going. You know, you don't need to go the big Everly stock operator carries the kitchen sink. You actually, I mean, you don't want that much. I have a pretty slim down bag that I carry, uh, you, you're, you're not going to, if you go to matches and things like that, you're not going to be carrying a, a, a mat. You're not carrying a spotter. You're not carrying, you know, a lot of that stuff. So you need it to be able to hold a tripod. I carry a tripod with me everywhere now. It's it's an essential piece of kit. Um, the Kestrel's an essential piece of kit. The As something to write on in part of my uh, my risk commander. Yep, I got that on my list yeah, here. The, so that's an essential piece of kit. But you're going to bring your backpack with you in you, some fashion. You need to look at a backpack that's actually going to provide you with some type of support too. Um, I've always been a, a big fan of tight gear is light gear. When yes. you're when you're running around on these two day three day matches, um, you want you don't want something that's flopping around on your shoulders. You know, especially when you're carrying all that equipment. And a lot of times. And I'm guilty of this too, is when I'll come back from a match, I won't clean out my bag. No. And now I'm carrying stuff from like three or four matches ago and it's just getting heavier and heavier and heavier. I try to clean it out before the next one, but I won't, I'll leave it until I'm getting ready for the next match. And then I find myself cleaning it out. Right. So So you need a gear bag that you need to have range ready basically so that you can go, okay, I'm going to, here's my rifle. Here's my bag. And what's in this bag? Um, How about a chronograph? I have, see, my car has all that stuff, so I kind of get lazy, the fact that my car is kitted out um, for classes and things like that. But we're talking, it's drop the, dead, going to the range, what equipment are yeah, you Yeah, I mean, I always bring, I always have a chronograph. I'm always using the chronographs. I use them quite a bit. So. That's how you're going to, somebody posted something on Sniper's Hide about, you know, is their barrel burnt out? Well, the chronograph is one of those indicators. It's going to tell you. Yeah. And that's one of the points I wanted to bring up is you don't have to. Like some people are, you don't have to bring a chronograph every single time. Well, I like to because what if we're doing load development? Yeah. What if we're bringing multiple guns? Uh, what if we're trying to confirm dope? We just we just went from sea level to you know five thousand feet, and something changed at sea level, and we need to figure out what's going on. But we need to reconfirm and reset our ballistics back. One of the things I notice with class wise uh, is people will load for. Like, you know, the, um, the Michigan kind of thing or North, they're, they're, they're Northern people. It's, it's like here, it's a little cooler. And then when you get into summer, the load gets too hot for them. So, you know, it's their winter load, summer load. And there's some people that just don't realize that will happen. Mm-hmm. And you have a switch barrel system too. Yeah. So a chronograph is definitely worth having. So um, to find out if your load is good for... Or I mean, if, you, if you get out here 95 degrees, you're a mile closer to the sun, your bullets are sitting in the sun. Next thing you know, you go to, uh, you, you go to use them and they're popping primers and, and they're an issue. And then the next thing they say is, but gee, it works good for me at home. And it's like, okay, what's your summer temp? Well, 75. It's like, well, it's 95 here and the sun is a mile closer. So we're saying bring a chronograph. There's something might change. Your barrel life might be coming to a close. If you're not actually annotating how many rounds you've put down range and getting close to that, you know, 1,800, 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 mark. Yeah. But also, what if you just cleaned? Is there going to be a change there? Mm Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. Bring that, you know, make that part of your your range equipment. Ammo. Ammo, ammo, ammo. Again, if (laughs) you could get halfway to the range and be like, I didn't bring enough ammo, how long are you going to be out there? You're going to be out there for two hours. You're going to be out there for one hour. Are you testing something? Are you actually 
training or you mm-hmm. do are you building something into your regiment or something that you saw online that you want to try out bring plenty of ammo and now especially if you're bringing multiple guns or multiple calibers don't forget that other ammo too yeah. that you're that you're going to fire off and you want to do some comparisons and and uh and load development the other everywhere i go is a rear bag i always have a rear bag with well, me i got that on my list yep. frank we're getting there we're, we're there okay uh, we're wait, almost wait, there wait, we're wait, almost there wait, what you got so far man we got we talked about let's see kestrel ballistics chronograph plenty of ammo I want to talk about actual seasonal, seasonal gear. That's important. Seasonal gear. So we're we're in the high country and it gets cold during the winter and it gets hot during the summer. At a minimum, I always recommend bringing something that's long sleeve and a hat, regardless of, you know, weather conditions where, you know, something thin, long sleeve mm-hmm. if it's during the summer. But long sleeve, you know, protect your elbows, protect your, uh, protect your arms from, you know, hot brass coming out. Yep. And, and it's just, it's kind of a... It's a duh, why is he saying that? But there's a lot of people that it, go out and do this. It, to, to follow up with that, somebody's made fun of me on um, on YouTube over it, the Schmogs, for our necks. Because mm. we're laying down or we're, we're, we're on the spotting scope and the back of our necks get cooked. Yeah, or even your shirt comes up in the back and, and then and you get a nice little the, tramp stamp caps, red yeah. uh, sunburn on your back. I get the ball cap bullet in the back of my head, that half moon mm-hmm. from the ball caps. So sometimes it's nice to have the Schmogs to cover your head up. And if the sun's in your eyes, you throw it over your rifle, throw it over your scope, throw it over that, and just have a little kind of hidey hole. And when the sun's looking at you and everybody's going, I can't see the target, the sun's in my face, you just throw that schmog over your whole friggin' upper body over the rifle and just let the, you know, like a little hole cover for the scope. And the next thing you know, you can see and shoot. So for you idiots making fun of me on YouTube for wearing the schmog... <laughs> Eat a dick. <laughs> That's why I wear it. L- low profile flex fit is my yeah. is my solution to the little bullet hole in the yeah, back of your head. Yeah, uh, they don't fit me right. I, I typically turn my hat around when I'm when I'm shooting on the rifle because my the brim of my hat keeps bumping my eyepiece. So yeah. I just turn my hat around, and then I'll have that silly looking half moon on the on my forehead when mm-hmm. I go into work the next day. Um, decent hiking footwear. Where, where we do a lot of our shooting, and this may not you know, be the same for you, but where we do a lot of our shooting, we take terrain into account. And we actually have to go uphills, downhills, but a lot of cactus where we're at. Yes. And you know, if you're wearing some thin-soled shoes and you step on a cactus, you're going to spend half the day pulling you know, spines out. Uh, All the time, yep. man. So and Approach shoes work really well for here with the cactus because they're thicker. And then uh, some kind of heavy-duty hiking boot. The Solomons are, are pretty standard now. Yeah. The little runny, fast footsie Solomons. And then they have the military versions of those. You go like to, uh, what is it, Elite something, U.S. Elite and uh, tactical distributors to get Solomon uh, leaf stuff is good. I like my I like my Keens. I'm a big fan of Keens. Keens. I never really had to break those in. I just put them on and I'm like, okay, yeah. these are good to go. That's me with a Solos. I do with the Solos. Sunscreen. Sunscreen. I, I'm bad at that, but it, it's necessary. I never bring it because I'm an Olivine American, and I, I, I'll burn the first time, and then after that, I'm good. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I got that Mexican blood in me, too, so, yeah. like, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll get nice and pigmented right right, bef- you know, right yeah. before the sun comes out, and then I'm good after that. But I'm serious. Uh, banana boat, you know, any, any you know, spray on, you apply frequently, or frequently, yeah. frequently, frequently. Uh, any type of spray on SPF or something like that, especially you tactical guys out there with all your tattoos and all the all the bright looking colors yeah, and stuff. You want to protect that stuff. They're all gone. Yeah, you don't want to look like an idiot in two years from now, mm-hmm. right? All faded out. Um, and just as a side note, my favorite smell in the world is sunscreen. That's why I apply it? it as much as I do. I okay. love that smell. All right, I didn't know that. There you got you got some you got some too much information with Mike. Sandalwood. Mm-hmm. Sandalwood. <laughs> Spray paint. So we do that. If you're worse for us, uh, paint is mandatory because where are we spraying? And then I use shoot and sees all the time. For me down the range, I'm a big shoot and see guy. Yeah. Um, let me hit. A, we're gonna cover that one here in a second. Let's uh, the spray paint. Some guys want to go out there and want to spend a bunch of money on really really good spray paint. And what I've found personally is we go out and we spray these targets and you use good spray paint and they bake on. 
And then it's, you know, you're shooting a small caliber at a very far distance. It's very hard to knock that paint off of the actual target and see what's going on when you're back at your firing position. When you actually get an opportunity to drive out there and see what's going on, then you can see a little smudge or something. So I've found that, you know, getting the store brand like Ace. I Ace, do Ace Primer. Yeah, Ace Primer or something like that. The cheaper, the better. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, just buy a bunch of it. And, and here's a tip for you. If you guys are running a match and you don't want to go spray stuff for people, like, you know, like Competition Dynamics doesn't paint their targets for their matches out here. And I kind of think in a match, painting a target is a pain in the neck, you know, as a match director. Medium gray. Medium gray won't have to be painted and it'll keep looking the same for everybody. So even though it's getting impacts on it, it won't change really contrast very much if you do a medium gray instead of doing a white or a different color like that or even a black but a, a good medium gray if you're going to run a little match and you don't want to go out and spray the target but you want the same look for every shooter right i played with that a lot and found that that medium gray is best so if you're not using steel targets and you don't have to worry about painting but you need you need to have some kind of target so don't don't forget your target backwards there's a lot of times that those will get chewed up a lot and we see it at our range where you know whether it's a piece of plywood or, line. or yeah, yeah the backers get um the backers get now i think that plastic board you can get at um lowe's there's that it's not particle board but it's more of like it looks like cardboard but it's plastic mm -hmm. that's the best thing right now to get for cheaper instead of doing um wood and then i go to uline for cardboard uh, uline you can get 18 by 30 uh, rectangles in in like hunter you know sheet packs and and they look just like the targets that you stick everything on so i use uline so we need this for our zero confirmation don't forget your staple gun yes don't forget Staples. extra ammo for your staple i always gun. that gets me all the time so if you don't have that at least have some tape or something you should always have some tape on you anyways either mm -hmm. duct tape gorilla tape whatever have some of that stuff uh, readily available um, more staples as the wind picks up obviously it's going to start ripping those targets off your backwards. Um, Frank's got some cool little sniper's hide stickers that you made. Remember? The, with yeah, the, the shooting ones. With the shoot, yep. Yeah, the, the shoot, so you have shooting stick. Shooting stick. Yeah. And then you have the shoot and see ones. I don't, I can't remember who makes those right now, but. Shoot and see. It's Birchwood, it, Birchwood Casey. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, it's basically a, a little black dot that you can put on your target, pull the trigger, and then you can see it turn green. Yeah, I like shooting sees. So those are nice. Make All sizes too. I get them from the three inch, two inch, three inch, all the way up to 12. Nutrition. Food. Got to have food. So on your way out to the range, a lot of us like to stop at the, you know, local fast food place and just get a bunch of food. But if you're thinking about it, you know, you need some, some good food to bring with you. So, you know, whether, whether it's protein power bars or, you know, granola or something like that, some, something that, to snack throughout the yeah, day. You want to nibble throughout. It, it, it's amazing how much food, fitness plays into people's scores at these matches because you don't realize just how hard you're pushing and you're, how much you're out there all day. So fitness plays a big part of it. Anything you can do to, to keep your, 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 your eyesight, your, your car, you know, cardio, Oh, zombie land cardio. Cardio. Is it rule number two? Or yeah, one? rule two or one yeah, is cardio. Like so um, you, you got to make sure you have that going on. And so you need to hydrate. You need to fuel up throughout the day because the better shooters actually don't fall off fitness-wise as much as some of the other guys. And, and you'll see as you get tired, as you get fatigued, the mistakes you're making that you don't even know. Right, because if you if you really think about it, we go to our jobs, right, nine to five, and then this is something that we do on the weekends. So, you know, we're not properly prepared for it. So we're just doing the same thing that we do at work, whether you have a snack or just a designated lunchtime or whatever. But when you're out on the range, you don't have these places that you can go to. Yeah. So you're just like, okay, well, what do I do? I'll just drink water, drink water, drink water, which is great. You need to hydrate, whether it's cold or hot outside, but you still need to fuel your body. So get a good breakfast in the morning, you know, wake up 15 minutes early, mm -hmm. make some eggs and then grab a few snacks and just like Frank was saying, nibble throughout the day. As soon as like Pawnee up there, as soon as I get off the highway, I whip into McDonald's, I get an egg McMuffin and, and I may, and even though I bring some food stuff with me, I always get off the highway, uh, the, the first exit there for the match and I stop at McDonald's and I get food. A good cooler. Yeah, it's not bad to have in the car. Yep. So Yeti, here's, here's, my, yetis and here's my Yeti plug, man. Um, 
myself and Adam were shooting the uh, the heat stroke open a few years back, and we had loaded up our cooler here and put you know all the drinks in there, some food and ice, and we left. I think it was round trip. It was, I think it was total three days, and at the end of the third day, there was water definitely in that cooler, but there was still ice in that cooler. Yeah, the Yetis last forever. So they're really good. So if you can get a Yeti, you don't have to spend as much on... I have that um, um that tactical looking one, the newer one. It's got the Molly on it, and it's kind of OD looking, and then it's got the orange inside. Oh, yeah, the one they were giving away with yeah, like the Daniels or the whatever. Daniel, but it's the next size up from that. That one has more of the foldy top. This one's a square top. I think mine's like the six-pack one. It fits a six-pack perfect or something. And there's cheaper options out there, but yeah. just make sure you're getting something good and just plan accordingly. If you're leaving for a few days and you want something that's going to keep your stuff uh, cool and uh, and locked up fairly well. I want to address a oh, see now I'm sitting here and we're talking food and eating and shooting. I want to address an old wives tale that people still tell to this day and it drives me nuts. I want to just kind of grab him by the neck and say, stop saying this. Is it jumping in the pool? No. 45 minutes? Yes, it's kind of like that. You know, you can't go in the pool after eating and stuff. <laughs> you can't have coffee because it'll make you shake. No. If you drink coffee every day at work and then you go to the match and you don't drink coffee, that's what makes you shake. If you're a cigarette smoker and then I tell you you can't smoke a cigarette, that's what gives you a problem. Smoking doesn't give you the problem when you're shooting and all that. Not smoking gives you a problem. Coffee isn't a problem. Look at all how many of these guys are drinking rock stars and monsters. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's got a damn monster in their hand or a rock star in their hand. It's like they're sponsored by them. Right. It's like they're sponsored by them. So coffee's bad, but the caffeine in a rock star is good. No, it's just because they drink it every day. And so they're using, you know, you can't stop having that stuff. It's, it's, it's doing something different than your normal routine, which is bad. It's not your routine is bad. It's doing different is bad. Just to throw that out there. Shooting mats. mats. So going, not necessarily in a competition setting, but actually just going out to the range and being comfortable and throwing down a mat, whether it's to protect your new duds that you just got to bring out to the range with your long sleeve shirt and everything. But shooting mats, my personal favorite is a tab gear mat because it rolls up real, real easy. One, you can link it together mm -hmm. and put it in your bag or hang it on the outside of your bag, whatever. But it also has basically like built up material where your, uh, where your yeah, elbows are. Back. And uh, you're on your elbows and your stomach a lot of times, you know, especially when you're just trying to confirm dope, not necessarily shooting those positional shoots, but when you're actually just trying to get the fundamentals down and you're trying to do some easy, nice shooting for the day, you're going to spend a lot of time on your belly, chances are. So, you know, get yourself a nice shooting mat. The tactical operations bags that we have at the store. The drag bag. Whatever. The drag bag yeah, has actually everything. has a mat in it and it's padded too. Yeah. So if you're, we were talking Mike. about drag bags a little Hi, bit. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about drag bags hey, a little bro. bit. That's a really good drag bag. We'll talk about that when we talk a little more in depth on gear. I use the cross tech tack cross tack ones he's got small ones that are thicker than tab tab to me is the minimalist and it's good because it's small mm -hmm. it's light it's easy it's it's, it's i'm glad you said minimalist that's going to come up in the next one yes minimalist for for bigger for a little bit more padding a little bit more uh can, you know is cross tack i think they're two mats they have the big one that's kind of cabela ish uh midway ish and i know a lot of guys get those midway ones on discount because they're cheap as hell and they're thick thick padded but they're just big to roll up. They only go in your car. You're not going to travel with a midway one. But the cross tack, you can travel with their one down. A tab, you can travel with because it's minimalist as well. And then they have those bigger ones. Cross tack has that really big trifold or multifold one that's flat and super padded. And then I know most guys to save money go for the midway, I think it is. Yeah. Look for something too that's um, waterproof. Yeah, which the tabs throw – heck, you can kind of put – the nice thing with a tab, it's so small, you can almost put your poncho liner to it and mm -hmm. then have another little ranger kind of blanket. And if you had to go overnight without carrying too much, you can actually create 
a little a little matty bag with a, a poncho liner and a, and a tab gear one. Yeah, so. there's nothing more miserable to me than just being soaking wet all day. Or if you're going out and it's you know you're shooting off the grass and not necessarily dirt, yes. and there's still dew and stuff. Kind of, yes, you know, in the morning. It, that is so irritating to me when I'm just covered in water and I'm trying to get something done. I'm trying to be comfortable. Rear bags. Yeah, tab is my go-to rear bag. Rifles only one is good too. Um, Crosstech has the round beer can one with the grippy. I like that. Um, so for smaller, that, that grippy uh, material, I like that bag. I'm a big fan of the lightweight rear bags. Yes. So Tab's got the straight lace. Another one of my favorites, and I use it a lot now, is Troust. Mm-hmm. So uh, Stu, yep, Stu from Troust is putting out really good stuff. And he's got three different sizes that we carry that I think are you know phenomenal. He's got a mini bag. Um, it's not as good as the original rear bag that he has, but it's something small that you can keep with yep. you. And what I found just with, as you go smaller in bags, uh, trying to get the fundamentals down and trying to keep that gun steady and keep it in the right spot, running that bolt will take you off target with a small bag, you know, even yes, shooting you're it. pulling it over, right? Yep. So if you have something that takes up a little more space where you can actually, you know, get up on that rear bag, put a little bit of pressure on it and then have that gun seated nice and deep into that rear bag. I find that works out a little mm -hmm. bit better for me. So, but they, there's also positional bags. So we're not just talking just rear bags, you know, we need right. maybe one, something that's front support. We one need pillow, that's like one trouse type of thing. We bad trouse, whatever you want to call it. I carry one pillow with me now because trouse made me a custom one. I'm carrying that because the other, the, the standard ones that most people use are too small for me. So if you have a little kid, you might want to think about ordering a custom one because with the barricade heights that they, they require, and, and I think it's stupid, their barricade specs. Do you think it's stupid because you need a boost? Well, no, because we had barricades that were specced, and I actually specced them out a barricade that was tall on one side, short on the other, instead of doing the same thing on each side. I mean, here we have a triangle, and we make the triangle identical on both sides, when we can easily make a tall side and a short side for people. And instead they do this, you know, kneeling, standing, standing, kneeling bullshit. But the, I can't reach. And a lot of kids can't reach. Little kids have a hard time. So my bag, we did 18 inches long, but 9 inches wide. Mm -hmm. And that's what I need to bridge the gap to get that firing hand support when I'm on the, the PRS barricade spec. Or like the, a reverse kneeling kind yeah, of Yeah, when I do the reverse kneeling. But then, luckily, because this bag is longer now, when I go to do the standing, I drop it on, I drop it on the ground, and I can, at shoulder width apart, put both my feet on it to boost me up that extra three, four inches. Mm -hmm, I've seen you do it. Which, which helps a little bit. I want to talk about, let me hit reverse kneeling for those of you who are not familiar with that. Uh, I came from the AR world before I got into precision rifle. So your your firing side, me being the right side, my right knee would be down so I could get to my pistol as well. And my left knee was up so I could create bone structure and shoot off of a kneeling position. So that's that standard kneeling position. When you're shooting precision rifle, it's a little bit different because the gun is heavier. So you when you're putting the front end of the gun onto a barricade, you want to bring that that firing side knee up. So my you're right hand- the firing hand. Because right, the so front the, of the rifle is being supported and so your support hand operates that. Then what you're using the your your firing hand, your strong side knee in with the bag is to support your firing elbow. Exactly. So that's what we're looking to do. But I, I think I, I, I think the barricades need to be redone. The spec is bullshit and, and there's been designs out there that have worked for ten plus years and all of a sudden they wanted to reinvent it because that's the game they wanted to play instead of doing what we always did that worked for everybody. And, you know, it's now, well, this is our barricade. It was like, okay, and you just isolated half of your shooting field. So. <laughs> I know, she's in the background having a good time. She's on her iPad. But um, and she's, you know, that you've, you've just, any new, any new kids, anybody under 5'6 is screwed. So you need the bigger bags. But um, if you're a match director listening to this, and you want the spec for a barricade that'll work for short and tall people, it's two different sides doing the same thing but different, email me and I'll send you the print. And it'll work for kids. And you can do your sitting, kneeling, standing on one side and you can do your sitting, kneeling, standing on the other. That still meets spec, but it's not the same damn thing twice. Why we have this, you know, 
symmetrical friggin' barricade instead of having one that that's diversified. We're well, we're, then you we're can, wasting all that real estate. You can also get that uh, that sign from Disneyland. You must be this, this tall. tall. They've done that with me. I to, to teach and this and that to shoot, and you can't shoot it. I've seen heck. I've seen the uh, Matt Gervais from the AI team. He he's he's you know five six or, or so. Phenomenal shooter. Right, but wearing two puff pillows on his feet in order to do the standing of a barricade. So here's a guy shooting for Team AI, and he's got to stand on puff pillows for the barricade. Right there's a red flag. You know, so why are we playing this game and not transitioning? Fuck their spec. Make your own. Make it work right for everybody. It's there. It's easy. It doesn't use any more wood than the other way. It just uses it smarter and better. My rant is over. There it is. (laughs) Reeling it back in. All right, I'm back. Gun tools. Gun tools. I, God, please, when you come to classes and stuff, bring tools for your rifle. So please, please, please. Don't forget your torque wrench. In I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out here. A T15 is not a T20. <laughs> a T15 is not a T20. Side note story. Most of the screws that you deal with with uh, spur mounts are mm-hmm. T20s. Okay. So I get phone calls. Everybody's stripping out their their screws and mm-hmm. everything like that. I have never stripped out a spur screw. So the first question I ask is, well, you're using the T15, right? <laughs> so it makes it sound like it's yeah, the right yeah. one to do. Well, of course I am. That's the wrong oh, one. one. T20. T20. Yeah. I'll send you some screws, but use the T20. Orca, fix it, sticks, wheeler, all good stuff. Yep. What do you think about fat wrenches? That's wheeler, isn't it? Fat? Is it? I think. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's wheeler. So those are all all decent stuff. I really like the capabilities of the field kit of the Borka. Yeah. Just because you have almost every head, every attachment, everything that you need, and it's a precision tool and torque spec. Perfectly. Yeah, fix it, fix it sticks are the same. I like their limiters, and they have AI limiters. They have all that. They have them for the quick lock. They have all kinds of fix it stick stuff, which I'm a big fan of. Yep. Fix it stick is another thing. Um, and when you're bringing these tools with you, before you even get out there, it's a good idea to actually torque everything down. So yeah. you know, when you're, you know, if you've messed with it in the in in the last shoot, or maybe something came loose. Go ahead and take just a few minutes out of your day. Hit the torque settings on the rings. Hit the torque settings on the side of the rifle if you need to. Don't be afraid to strip your rifle down, man. I mean, I think a lot of people are afraid to take it completely apart, pull it out of the stock, wipe it all down, put it all back together, and check the torque settings. If you're going to go do something, I mean, a lot of times if I do something like that, say I'm going to leave on Thursday to go to a match or go somewhere traveling-wise, even if it's class or whatever. You know, Monday, I may take the whole thing apart and put it all back together, clean it all up, make sure it's good. I'll recheck and re-zero uh, everything on, you know, Wednesday. And then Thursday, get on the plane, fly. And then Friday, they'll usually let you check zero. And normally, I fire those three rounds and I'm done. I don't have to adjust my zero. But if you take it apart and, and retorque it down, don't be afraid to do that, man. Don't be afraid to get in there and, and, and pull these things apart and understand how they go together and how you know what the torque settings are. Go on Sniper's Hive, ask a question. They'll answer you really good. And then go try it. Scope tool. Yeah, I adjusting, got Adjusting your zero stop. So you're going out for the first time. You're going, hey, I need to adjust my zero stop. I need to get it perfect. You need that scope tool. If you're using multiple rifles and you have multiple scopes, make sure you have the scope tool for each and every one of those scopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just put it in your bag or you know, find that little Allen wrench that you need Put it in your little toolkit. If you're coming to class next March or next month in March, bring the tools for your thing. Put them in a little pouch. The fix-it stick pouch is only like three inches square. Um, The Borka pouch is like six by three. Uh, It's a little longer, but it has some extra tool size, bigger tools in it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I like even my ear protection, my uh, ESPs, I have one Allen wrench in there that fits like... 75% 75% of the scopes out there. So I have that one Allen sitting in my ESP pouch just because I know in a pinch this will probably work. Right. And check and see if it's metric or imperial, one of the yeah. two. Drop rod. Um, sometimes I bring them. I don't always. I, 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 I've been remiss lately. 
of not having the rods in the car. So you have basically the brass rod, yeah. caliber specific. Don't try to jam your thirty cal <laughs> no, in a six five. Yeah, in a in a six five or a six, you're gonna mess up the crown. There's real actually fast. a brand new six five barrel at down at Rifles Only, uh, hanging up on the wall with a cleaning rod jammed in it that can't come out. So somebody used a thirty cal rod on a, a six five. So if you're a, if you're a guy who likes to get a lot of uh, usage out of your brass. It might not be a bad idea to carry maybe a twenty-two some, rod or so, at least a long twenty-two caliber rod. That's a takedown, something long enough for your barrel and small that you're not going to sweat it, just to knock stuff out in case. And also a case head separation tool. Yes, <laughs> if you're a reloader for sure. Uh, field cleaning kit. If you're out there and it kicks up dust and you're just in a just kind of like a dust bowl kind of area. It might not be a bad idea to carry some type of small cleaning kit with a rag, some lubrication yeah. or brush or something like that. At least like a that. boar snake. I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to boar snakes at all. I use them a lot. But uh, at least that to pull it and wipe it out, especially if you've got to go somewhere and it's in, in. I don't know about you, but I always look at the weather. Weather underground 10 days beforehand. I'm watching the weather. It's part of Met TC, man. That's it, man. That's it, Met stuff. If it, I'm bringing extra even if there's a chance and if you're going to get all wet and crazy and you know that there's going to be weather where you're going to shoot a match definitely bring this stuff because you may find that you have to take it all apart to clean it out in between i i've actually heck it was a tech pro match years ago and it got so muddy really bad muddy i stuck a garden hose in my rifle and, and had to get the mud out with a garden hose mm -hmm. you know um, and, and that kind of stuff. I had stuff. to do that after the sniper side cup. Yeah, showers. Like a few years back. Put them in the showers and things. Mm -hmm. So it's worth... I brought it right out there in the front yard and hosed it down. It's worth having that stuff to manage that. Um, uh, you know, if, if, if you do this for real and you don't, you know, you're not pretending and going on the square range and stuff, your shit's going to get dirty. Your shit's going to get messed up. You're going to have to take it apart and clean it and work on it. And, and you need to, you know, understand that kind of stuff. It's nice to have some type of coating on it too. So whether it's, you know, Cerakote, Duracote, whatever, uh, a lot of times that makes it just a little bit easier to clean. But when you're cleaning the inside of the action, you shouldn't have any of that stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to take a little bit of time. But just have something out on the range with you so that you can wipe wipe it down or at least lube it up um, and, and get the gun back to functioning condition if it starts to kind of grind And if you're a it. drill trigger guy, bring two. Yep, bring a you have, make sure you have a trigger hanger. Yeah, make it a little bit easier on bring yourself. Two. Accessories. Um, for triggers too, I want to get into when you show up. Um, if you do worry about your trigger and know it's going to be either dusty or dirty or wet like that, Ronson lighter fluid. Uh, when you clean out your triggers, you use Ronson, the yellow bottle of Zippo lighter fluid, mm -hmm. and it's and you throw it in there, and that's what's going to clean your triggers out. Uh, you, they can get messed up with the, depending where you go and the type of dirt they have. Uh, rifles only was a place that you always need to. Our range out here when it's dry, you're gonna need it. Is you're gonna need it. Um, that fine powder dirt will a step up from baby especially powder. with the brakes. I mean, all you you know everybody's running a brake. Mm -hmm. That brake throws everything up, and it gets in there. And Ronson's what's gonna clean your trigger. Suppressors, accessories. Let's move into the accessories section of stuff that you're bringing with you. Suppressor. I always preach suppressor. I say suppressor and I want to I just want to help you out. And I want you to think about this for a second. You're not using a suppressor. You're using a brake. You got your ear pro on. You got a guy that's on the spotting scope and he's yelling commands to you. And you can't, you, maybe you're shooting outside of 1200 yards and you can't see the impact because, you, you know, you don't have that beautiful Swarovski or whatever, but you can't see the impact and you, chances are you might not be able to hear it either. Mm -hmm. So when you're using a suppressor, it makes it a little bit easier, especially if you're just at like a private range or a piece of private property where you have you and your buddy are out there helping each other out and, and getting into this sport. It's a lot easier to hear those impacts and a definite call of, okay, this is what happened. This is what you need yeah. to do. This is what you need to correct. I mean, honestly, as an, an instructor side, lines with more suppressors are heaven. Mm -hmm. You know, it really helps because I mean, I'm nuked. I've been in the VA with my ears and they're, they're, they're nerve damage and shot, but it, a suppressor is, is really kind of like the money thing when it comes to this type of shooting we do. I was even talking with the, um, I did a New Zealand podcast on Wednesday and I was telling them, you know, at a bare minimum, I think the guys should go to the five inchers if they 
at a, at a mind, you know, because even we were talking bush guns, the context of the conversation was through thicker brush and moving around with hunting rifles. So you're talking five-inch suppressors. Yeah, okay. so because they can hunt with suppressors in New Zealand. Nice. So we were talking about that. And they can, for them, they can get them over the counter. They don't have the laws like... With the Isn't it like that over in like yeah, the UK? Europe, yeah. yeah, it's a European law. So for the New Zealand guys, hey, how you doing down under? Um, it's, you know, they, they can do it. Well, if you're going through the bush and it's so thick, you may not want a seven or nine-inch suppressor on there. At least put these new little five-inchers. They're just as effective... They're great for the few shots you're going to take, and it, it it saves you. You don't have to worry about your ears. I was actually really impressed when we shot that 224 with the with five. the five inch. I like the five, man. I'm I a was, fan. I was under the impression that that was just going to be an expensive muzzle break. No. And I was like, when 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 I shot it, I was like, oh my god, this is actually kind of nice. The, the the guy in Alaska, I, I had a picture up, and a lot of people were commenting. He had a 300 Norma hunting rifle, mm -hmm. all carbon fibered out, proof barrel. Carbon fiber stock, I think the whole thing was like seven pounds. He had a five-inch suppressor on it for his 300 normal. And that was his bush gun. That was his thick terrain uh, kind of deal. And, and it, it was money. You know, he's only shooting 50 shots a year at the most, he said. And with that five-inch suppressor, he's not beating himself up with a hunting rifle. Suppressor laws. Find out what your local suppressor laws are. If you call me and you're in Nebraska and you're getting a suppressor from somebody in... South Texas Dakota, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the laws that you guys are. I know Colorado laws. So if you're getting one from us or you're trying to get one transferred in, just talk to me about it and I'll and do the research and I'll help you out. MikeAmileHighShooting.com or 303-255-9999 and we can we can get you uh, hooked I can't up on what you need. Emphasize a suppressor enough for what we do. I mean, I, I know the brakes are a little bit easier for them for the PRS type stuff and the NRL type stuff, but I'm a bigger fan of the suppressors. Me too. Now, the, the brakes are effective. They work. They do their job. But from, from saving your ear kind of side of things, ugh, you know. Like yeah, I mean, it's, it's safety too. Yeah. So that's good. It kicks everything up. It blows it around. It's annoying. Other accessories, slings. So going from position to position, sling shooting. Uh, if you're building that into your, you know, arsenal of of training, um, a sling is you got to have it. Yeah, you got. Well, I mean, you it's a legacy skill. Something. But I mean, if you're going to a match, they may mandate you have to carry it that way if you don't have another type of carrier. So sling. I'm a tab gear uh, sling guy. Um, I'm testing a, one out from uh, Colorado Precision Rifle yeah, right now. Yeah, he's got one. Brian we actually, Whelan. instead of just having that one inch strap of nylon. We finally talked him into putting a pad on it. Mm -hmm. So now it's got a pad. And the cool thing about it is it's an adjustable sling, but it adjusts into you instead of away, away from, from you. you. Right. So. And another good one for PRS type stuff is rifles only, especially with the bungees. So you can push into it. Uh, rifles only slings are really good. They're kind of, um, you know, slight, slightly different from tab. We both, I mean, when Jacob and I were down there, the slings kind of came out of us. And then um, they've morphed now, but... Jacob's definitely a sling guy, so the rifle's only equipment is really good. My typical rule of thumb with a sling is if it needs an instruction manual, ball it up and throw it in yeah, the trash. Yeah, there's a bit of that. There's a lot of that stuff going on. Get something simple for yourself. It doesn't necessarily have to have a shooter's loop in it or anything but, like that. I mean, it's... The European guys send the Europeaners, um, especially like the Swedes and the Finns and the Norway guys, they send me really stripped down slings that work good for their uh, their wet weather and you know, the cold and wet and, and all that, their, their nylon's a little different. It's like a coated nylon. But if you want a sling that's minimalist, there's a bunch of them from Europe that are great uh, that way. But you can also get them made here. I know Tab has some that are minimalist. Uh, they have the biathlon if you're just going to carry the rifle without a pack. They have a very good sling. It's called the PRS sling. Yeah, the PRS is the big one. That's the main one. I, I do the, the PRS with the Cobra buckles. The Cobra buckles are overkill, but what? Why not? You're spending five grand plus on a rifle. What's 150 on a sling? Yeah, exactly. So spare bipod, tall, short. Yeah, I've something. run into issues where I was either loading too hard on the bipod, or the bipod just failed. And I've I've broken at least two of the Harris's, and then I moved to Atlas, and then I got some feet for the Atlas, and then it started to kind of wear down on the ball. And then I went back to Harris and I didn't load as hard on it. So, I mean, like I've, I've had a history of bipods and I'm telling you have an extra one 
at least in your bag, whether it's tall, short, doesn't matter, something that's adjustable, but something where the feet don't rotate and you can get a good solid firing position, but have a spare bipod. And, and, and you're going to, I would almost, there's going to be new slings, the new army contract, not slings, bipods rather. The new army contract is specking a new bipod. There are new bipods coming out. Uh, Atlas had their new one at shot, which looked awesome. I was really psyched into that. I don't know if we get to talk about uh, the other one up north. No, not yet. Not, not that, yet. not that I know. I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't yeah, think we can I, talk about it yeah, yet. Yeah, there's another one coming that's really good I've been using. You've seen it in my videos. You just don't know who it's from. Um, it's, it's a good one, but there's a, there's a design spec now from the Army that's changed bipods. A Harris won't meet it. An Atlas as it stands won't meet it. So really nothing meets the spec. Um, so you're going to see a big change. A lot of good things come out of these contracts. Yes. A lot of you good You guys changes. benefit because the Army's basically saying it has to be like this. And it's funny too because like talking to Army snipers, Marine snipers, I get to talk to a lot of different guys from a lot of different services and they're going – you know, we're learning a lot of stuff from the precision rifles or the civilian side of precision rifles. That's how it always shooting. was. It just you know, changed for a while. But. Whether it's that positional shooting using these different bags, you know, all these bags are going out in these contracts, blah, 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 blah. But a lot of these guys are learning skills from you guys too. So that I think that's really cool that both sides are feeding each other. I get the, um, not just Europeaners, but I get a lot of uh, Australian guys, the Aussies were on Sniper's Hide, kind of making fun of what they see. In, in how we're running like a precision rifle series because we've gone so far away from the traditional way of shooting stuff. You know, the speed in, in the obstacles, the, the props have made a necessity for us to change the way we do business. And they see that and they're, they're kind of like mocking it. And I've mocked a certain amount of it myself. But it's then what happens is it's gotten refined how we employ these bags. So you don't see guys with four bags anymore. You'll see them with the, the stuff built into the rifle, the tripod, and Walking then one up bag. to a stage looking like the state. Yeah, they don't do that man. anymore, man. That's out the window. What happened was is initially you had this, this, this introduction of new product in this experimentation and how we're going to employ it. And then it gets refined down to this really streamlined way of doing business. And that's where we are today. So it's tough to kind of mock something that was three, four years ago and say it's happening that way today. And I get it. I'm guilty of it. But it has changed and it has become very effective to work with one bag, one rear bag, and then adjusting product either through tripods or your stock like an MPA chassis and things like that. So uh, definitely, you know. Don't don't close your mind off to something just because it doesn't look right. Give it a little bit of time if it's new, but you'll see it get refined. I always say this, man. If it if it's stupid and it works, it's, yeah, it's, it's not. not it's not stupid. Exactly. Sunshades, caps, lenses. Um, you want to be able to protect your equipment as well as when, when you're functioning with that equipment. So you're not dropping thirty rounds at a time out of your precision rifle. You're dropping, you know, ten, yeah, fifteen extra mags, rounds. Ten rounds. So mag make sure you got your mags, but make sure that you know if if you're going to be shooting into the sun at a certain point. I know a lot of that happens down in Raton when they shoot that match just because of the way that honeycombs that work, man. If you're yep. in bright, 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 bright stuff, you want a, a sunshade with a honeycomb. One of the best ones. Tenebrex calls it an ARD. Yeah, an ARD, anti-reflective. Um, but one of the best ones to fix the sun problem is the U.S. Optic ones with the honeycomb back inside. And the honeycomb's actually really thick in there. It's not it's not like this quarter-inch thick honeycomb that sort of blocks it. It's more like an inch plus. So what it does is it, it keeps the scattering light away and it only lets the primary light in. And the scatter is what flares it. I was just about to say, you're going to put a honeycomb on and you're going to see your scope get real dark real fast. Yeah, but if you're, like I said, if you're going somewhere or shooting in a place where it's mega sun, and we do that out here a lot, mm -hmm. Raton, Colorado, all that stuff, the ARDs and the sunshades really help. And then, like I said, the Shemag to throw over the top. True. But um, but make sure you do get some protective caps because yeah. the wind's going to kick I up. I rip them and it's off. Gonna, I'm always ripping my I rip, caps. I rip my back cap off. Yep. And, you know, there's a lot of times that I see this, and I've done this too, is you build it into your training regiment. When you lay down behind the gun, pop that front cap. 
instead of getting everything tuned up and everything ready and then all of a sudden you look at your scope and all you see are caps yeah so make sure you build that into your training regimen as well definitely build it in and if you're le ma'am part of your build-in is lower your power when you're moving if you're going from point a to point b you should be on minimum power at the lowest power you have then when you get there find it with your eye Kill it with the scope. Turn your power up once you find it. But so when you, you say find it with your eye, that means we're orienting our firearm in that direction of that target. And we're looking over the top of our scope and we're finding that target and dropping down into the scope. Yeah. My mantra, find it with your eye, kill it with the scope. Tripods. And yeah, really right stuff. Man. Really right stuff. I, I really like their leveling base. Um, the you, new one. If you guys don't have... That new stuff is awesome. If you guys haven't jumped on the bandwagon of getting the, the really right stuff, dovetail adapters and everything for mm -hmm. your rifle, they also have a product that's called a vice. It's V-Y-C-E. It's basically their version of a hog saddle. So if you're looking at hog saddles and pig saddles and whatnot, the thing I really like about the vice, one, is it's built correctly. Um, it's, it's a lot faster than a hog saddle or a pig saddle. It doesn't pop apart. And also the material that they use is not as squishy as what you'd find in a hog salad or pig salad. So yeah. when you pull the trigger, it's not bouncing both. around a lot. I'm, what you want for tripods is weight rating. The Manfrotto's we used before, and everybody's ditching Manfrotto's now, but the Manfrotto's we used still use them yeah, in the past had a weight rating of 12 to 15 pounds. Okay, that's the weight rating on the tripod, 12 to 15 pounds. And we're looking at a 15-pound rifle with us behind it and loading into it. So where they're going today, what the benefit today is, is these 50-pound tripod weight ratings. Really right stuff, as small and light as they are, have a 50-pound weight rating. The Faisals, they're 35 and so, but you're getting the bigger one in the Faisal. So you're going to add a couple pounds with the knockoffs. Uh, the Lifotos I'm using right now, those are really nice, but really gigantic. But they're cheap. But if you're a bigger guy, if you're not going to carry it, there are smaller models. I talked to Bobby Keegan's. He's going to be bringing in a specific smaller uh, Leo Photo one that'll work. I've seen one of those. Those are freaking sweet. I have sweet. one in the car, man. Like I said, the big one is, I have not the biggest one. There's like a four, 460 model, 464. A three. I have the 364. The 364 is twice as big and heavy as the really right stuff. But it's nice and it's a third of the money. It's, it's a third of the money, but it works with the stuff from really right. Yes, stuff. it works the same. You yeah. got to put the both uh, the the adapter in there. It will work, but and it is cheaper. But it's seven and a half, almost eight pounds versus that three to four pounds for a really right stuff. Mm -hmm. And the weight ratings are the same. So that's kind of what you why you spend so much money on really right stuff. It's lighter. It's stronger. And now they're making dedicated shooting stuff, and so everything works. But if you can't afford that in the legs, at least buy their ball heads. You're not going to save any money buying a knockoff ball head. So get, like, I like Hog Saddles tripods. They're like three, $400 for the, the pig uh, uh, tripod. And the um, PRST is the one I use. It's 380 or so. But I put a really right stuff ball head on it. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the, that's the, the best option. You're in the $800 range. For a complete kit, and it works versus you know nine hundred to a thousand dollar plus for just the legs on the really right stuff. But you'll never go wrong with really right stuff, man. So you also have to think about you're not just putting your rifle on this thing; you're putting a putting a spotting scope on there. Yeah, everything. And uh, you know when the wind kicks up, you're going to see the difference between you know a really uh, a skinny tripod versus a, you know weight a thick rating, base. weight rating, yep. weight uh, rating. So um, if you have a portable barricade, cool. Bring it out there, do some barricade training. Laser range finder. Yes. You want to bring a laser range finder, whether you're setting out targets or you're trying to assess targets, but you need something because you're not just going to be out there milling all day. I almost bring have a, two at finder. all times with me of some kind. The Terrapin, and now the new Terrapin will be coming out. Um, the AB, or rather the uh, SIGs are probably the best, although the Nikon supposedly is going to give you the run for the money. I will have the Nikons coming. They're saying for $400, those Nikons are amazing. Um, you know, so we'll see because they're just kind of just showing up from shot. And I know people have used them, but lasers, man, it's, it's modern era. You're not going to mill, you're going to laser. Yep. And then I did a whole video on it. It's not an unknown distance target. It's just an uneven distance target. 
because the laser is taking that guess away. It's no longer unknown. It's just uneven. So get a laser. Another thing you can do or another thing that you can bring with your, uh, with your setup as an accessory is either a shot timer, a stopwatch, or a countdown timer. Yep. So that way you can put yourself under stress without having to run around the Good range watch. and then get, yeah, you have to have something that, you know, if you're, if you're practicing for these, you know, 90 second intervals or, you know, three minutes or something like that, limit yourself to a specific time, but take your time to do it and just understand, Hey, don't, some people use it to just say, you know what, don't worry about the clock. I'm going to put it on, but I want you to think about it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry so much about the clock. Worry more about your fundamentals. Yeah. And going into fundamentals, I want to talk about mindset as the last piece yeah. as we're you know wrapping up this episode. We're getting into the hour, so we're going to wrap it. Mindset. Mindset, mindset, mindset. Safety with your weapon system. Safety with your hearing protection, eye pro sunglasses. Bring that, you know, bring that safety mindset to the range. Also, a positive mental attitude. Plan and double check your torque settings. You know, if you're having a, a one to two man structure, you know, one man shoots, one man spots, put a dollar on the table at the end of the day and challenge your partner to a 10 round battle royale of pig and, you know, winner take all. But make your sessions count. Yes. Make your Quality, sessions count. Not quantity. Um, we wanted to talk about some of the comments from the app, but I think we'll do that in the next uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, thank you guys very much. Always, it, it's this has been fun, and I'm ha- I'm always having a good time with Frank, and I love to yeah, listen to amazing, Frank's little man. stories. And you know, I probably learn as much as you guys when we do this, and it just helps me be better at my job. But um, go out there, do this stuff, have a good time, positive mental attitude, and I guarantee you will have a good time doing it. Definitely, Frank at Sniper's High. Everybody, guys, coming over to the site. Thank you, um, and keep the questions coming. I appreciate it as well appreciate all you guys listening around the world. Mike from Miles High Mile High Shooting and you're listening to the Everyday Sniper. Everyday Sniper. We're out. Next one.